Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Ken Samples, helping Christians think about artificial intelligence and its implications. And of course, there are challenges. I mean, even in the universities, teachers and professors have to think, how are we going to allow people to use GPT? Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't want people to go in there and, you know, turn in their paper where it's it's completely an artificial intelligence. We want to know that you're doing the thinking. Ken Samples, next. While AI or artificial intelligence now touches our daily lives in applications like Alexa, internet search engines like Google, and much more, we also ask lofty questions of AI like, is it good or bad? Can it truly think? And do we perhaps see it suggested in the Bible? Today we get a theologian and apologist's perspective as I talk with Ken Samples, senior scholar with reasons to believe. Ken, first uh, define AI or artificial intelligence for us. I was reading an article uh, on the IBM site, and uh, it says this, while a number of definitions of artificial intelligence have surfaced over the last few decades, John McCarthy offers the following definition. He says, quote, it is the science and engineering of making intelligent machines, especially intelligent computer programs. Hmm. So we seem to be possibly in a new uh, revolution of technology. And it it seems that it's uh, increasingly talked about, um, mostly from a positive standpoint, obviously, but any sense of how recent a development artificial intelligence is? I mean, I know it's been the things of movies for, for quite a few years. Yes, I think so. I think that the timing of artificial intelligence has come at a time where, uh, computer digital information has skyrocketed. So this has been coming for some time. I mean, I remember even as a boy, some of the uh, companies were using large computers. But uh, I would say in the last 25 years, uh, there's just been a boon of uh, data that is available and the complexity of computers has gone up. I mean, some people say in your in your smartphone, you've got more uh, power than than uh, NASA had in the 1960s. So it it is a time in which they've been able to uh, save data and utilize it. So I think I think it's coming with the computer. There's no doubt about that. The emergence of the computer as an incredible tool. I'm not a scientist. At your, I don't think that's your field either. Right. So I'm wondering why is this issue? of interest to theologians and apologists like yourself. You know, when I think about uh, Christian history, and I, that's, a, that's a sphere I think a lot about and I've written about, you know, it, it seems to me, Bill, that during the time of the Reformation, Protestant Reformation in the 16th century, that Reformation may not have been possible without, did, you know, uh, having a, a means of of copying documents and spreading them around digital type or movable type as it was called um i i think as well following that you have the industrial revolution that changes the world we are now i think possibly in the computer revolution but it's interesting to me and i think to many christian thinkers because we wonder how can this technology be best utilized? Is it is it good? Is it bad? Is it neutral? 
Does it depend on how it's used? And I, I think I'm interested in it because so many uh, tech people, STEM people, thoughtful people are raising questions. I'm not a scientist. I'm not terribly gifted even with my u utilization of a computer. But I, I think that this very much has come into the world of thought and uh, reflection about uh, where our society and culture is going. Well, Ken, what can you tell us about the prevalence, the popularity of uh, AI today? I think that it is, uh, we're inundated with it. I mean, there is discussion of uh, having cars that are, are self-driving. Uh, you know, I I've, I've, have also read about medical technology used by AI. Uh, it's kind of amazing what they think some of these machines will be able to do. Uh, and of course, as a philosopher, I, you know, people constantly ask me, do you think that it will be able to create a machine that thinks that is sentient? And you have chat GPT, you have all of these kinds of things. So I, I think we're now in the age, and of course, uh, you know, I think back to being a boy watching Star Trek mm -hmm. and then Star Wars, all of the science fiction. Uh, in many ways, uh, the human mind has been able to take us forward. And, and uh, I think that's amazing, and I think it's a testimony to the image of God that human beings have been able to do this. Well, Ken, I'm wondering... Uh some older generations might say things like it well things seem pretty much the same as always to me from day-to-day -day life uh, as i go about w what i do I, I don't perceive ai in my life what, what would you say to that well it uh that that may be the case but i think that all of us to some extent i mean uh, even with computers, uh, a lot of times it's it's difficult to open up an account or engage in business transactions without going online, without utilizing computer. Um, I, I mean, everything from we carry far less cash in our pockets and, you know, we, we have our debit cards and things like that. Um, I think technology is, is moving us ahead and... You know, I um, I do think that there is a challenge. Uh, I sometimes think that spending inordinate amount of times on a machine can take away a certain part of our humanity. Um, but nevertheless, I, I think we're we're uh, in a time where uh, this is a significant technological boom, and. Um, I think we have to be at least interested in it in terms of how do we sort it out? How do we, how do we think about it? Well, we are talking about artificial intelligence, uh, particularly from a Christian perspective. My guest is uh, Mr. Ken Samples, and he is Senior Research Scholar with Reasons to Believe. Well, Ken, you, you've, you've alluded to this. Uh, as AI develops, some believe, uh, either pro or con, but th that we're headed toward AI uh, thinking uh, more and more like a human being. Uh, what are your comments on that? I think that's one, for, for me personally, as a philosopher and a theologian, that's, I think, the area I'm interested in most. And, you know, there are people who have a very uh, strong views of what 
we may be able to, you know, create in terms of AI. My personal thoughts and uh, mm -hmm. my own reflection as well as reading, and I, I have a number of friends who work in the field of artificial intelligence, just kind of talking with them and reasoning. I think that in large measure, what we have are machines that mimic human thinking. Uh, that is, they don't, they don't engage in the kinds of thinking that human beings do regularly. Uh, and I would say that uh, even if we were able to create uh, artificial intelligence that had sentience, that had the kind of uh, intellectual abilities that human beings have, Bill, I, I think with all of the intellectual firepower used to create this, it would be a creation. It would be evidence of the way uh, intelligence comes to be. That, that is, artificial intelligence, wherever it's at, it hasn't come from nowhere. It's come from the thought and reflection and refining of some of the brightest minds and dedicated people in the world. Well, if our mind is beyond that, and I think it is, I don't think we'll ever have an artificial intelligence that really thinks the way humans. Uh, again, I, I think there's kind of a mimicking of human thought. But nevertheless, uh, to me, it's a sign of intelligence. It is a sign of design. And uh, I think as we go back to the human mind, I think that's evidence that there is a divine mind that has created us and given us the most complex and extraordinary gift in the universe that is our our brain and mind ken you may have defined this earlier i can't remember but the word you've used it a couple of times sentience what yes. is what is meant by that so philosophers talk about uh being a co consciousness uh it's our mindful states it is our ability to think to reason uh to think about particular things, to think independently. So here I'm, I'm referencing broadly the term consciousness, uh, reflective thought. Uh, and, and again, it's difficult to philosophers and even theologians aren't sure exactly how to define even the way the human mind works, but it is the capacity that we have thought, we have will, we have emotion, we're able to uh, think about things. That's, that's the way I'm using sentience. Well, in terms of artificial intelligence, something that's been written about a lot recently, uh, well, there's a, a number of things, uh, like the deep fake uh, sort of videos and whatnot, which I'd like to get back to, but uh, chat GPT, for a lot of yeah. people, that's sort of uh, a jargon that, uh, that doesn't mean anything to them, but can you tell us what it is? We, I think we've heard that, uh, that somehow this form of AI can do things like write sermons, write papers, do all kinds of things. What, what can you tell us about chat GPT? Yeah. Well, this is pretty much readily available. I think even online, you can sign up and have it for free initially. Um, and so you can uh, you can ask a question of uh, ChatGPT. Uh, maybe you might want to ask, you know, what is Christianity? What is the gospel? Or um, will America win the next world war? Any of those topics. And it's able to come up with... Uh, basically in an 
an intelligent summary or mm. answer it's able to answer these questions now a number of people that i know who are scientists and who are computer engineers they tell me that um, much of the content is kind of superficial that that is it's kind of generalizing it doesn't get into a lot of the depth of uh, of ideas but I mean, part of artificial intelligence is using language, and um, one of the benefits is sometimes it can take the data and communicate it on a level uh, where the average person can understand it. So there are undoubtedly benefits, and of course there are challenges. I mean, even in the universities, uh, students have to, uh, teachers and professors have to think, um, how are we going to allow people to use GPT? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want people to go in there and 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 you know turn in their paper where it's it's completely uh, uh, an artificial intelligence. We want to know that you're doing the thinking. So it has raised a, a lot of challenges. I know at reasons to believe we have a lot of technical articles, and we have been giving thought about could Chat GPT could it. Uh, kind of summarize these in a way that more people who don't have a science be a background could benefit. What What is your opinion, Ken? Maybe Maybe you just gave it a bit there that there is some some uh, good uses for this. I mean, in terms of using it for sermons, that kind of thing. As you say, they're trying to navigate the use of it in in uh, colleges and universities. I'm sure in in high schools and all of that, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, some have wondered, it's, it's, it's not, in a sense, it's not original to the person. Something else is doing the work, but, you know, as time goes on, we begin to accept it. <laughs> I'm just wondering yeah. your, your thoughts. Uh, where would you draw the line in the use of artificial intelligence and uh, presenting something forward as a creative work as yeah. your own? Yeah, it, that's, that really is a very important question. I'm excited about the idea of uh, artificial intelligence being used in the medical fields, mm -hmm. uh, ways in which it can, you know, enhance human flourishing, maybe dealing with uh, illnesses and diseases in, in a more effective way. Uh, so I, I see positive mm -hmm. things in that way. And uh, there's a tremendous convenience that may come with it. On the other hand, I, I, I do raise the question does it take away our humanity? And, and and that is, you know, sometimes people handle their phone 250 times a day. I, I frequently am driving down the street and somebody walks across the street looking at their cell phone and not even a paying attention. And, and I wonder what will happen in terms of reading books, uh, broad education. There are a lot of studies that, you know, reading online is very convenient and people use ebooks. They're cheaper. But part of the challenge is it seems like the human mind seems to remember things when it's read on a printed page. So physical books, every study I have seen over the last 10 years indicates that print books are better in terms of remembering and learning. So there are some parts where I wonder, will this change the human condition? And I have to tell you, as an author and as a writer, I, I think it reasons to believe I may have written over 700 blog articles yeah. and I'm working now on, a, on, on book number 16 in terms of author, co-author and contributor. 
But there are times, Bill, I intentionally unplug and get off. Um, I don't want my life to have kind of an artificial component to it. I want to think through. I uh, And I certainly... You know, there are benefits. I mean, think of all the biblical texts you could bring to your fingertips in a moment if you were a pastor. And there are a lot of really great things about it. But still, I think, uh, you know, the human condition needs to be weighed and valued. And I don't want a machine to think for me. Ken, is there any biblical wisdom, anything in Scripture you believe specifically speaks to or gives us some some guidance on this subject? I do. I think um, the doctrine of the sovereignty of God is a very critical biblical doctrine, that, that God is the creator, the ruler. He is uh, the one who controls the world in which we live, and he is guiding history. You know, again, as I think about the past, as I think about the Protestant Reformation utilizing the Gutenberg printer in order to facilitate uh, the writings of Luther and Calvin and the Protestant Reformation. And and again, as I think about the 18th and 19th centuries of uh, America becoming this industrial giant um, and this revolution of computers in, in our own age, I would say that God has, for his own purposes, allowed us to discover these technologies. Um, I, I don't think Christians uh, should necessarily fear it. The, the deeper question is, how will it appropriately be used? And, and from a biblical point of view, um, I, I see this as a gift of common grace. Uh, like anything, however, I mean, the world can become industrial and then we can pollute the world. Um, you know, you can give... You can give uh, people an opportunity to read texts, but uh, some texts are not very good in terms of your spirituality or your morality or, uh, you know, your ideas in life. So I, I think God has allowed this. Um, I think we should use technological devices at, in a very careful and uh, prudent manner. And I, I, I think that there are both positives and negatives. And uh, we have to wrestle with these kinds of things. Are there any other positives or negatives? I mean, in other words, uh, you've made it pretty clear it's not a black or white issue. People might be wondering, well, is it is it good or bad? We've talked a little bit about the technology that can be used, particularly in the medical field. We've talked a little bit about how information can be right at your fingertips. Those, I think, are very good. It can be used in education. Um, it, it can also be used in the military, and that can be good, but it could be bad. I mean, even people like Bill Gates, uh, the founder of Microsoft, there have been others who have raised problems. One, one challenge is people may use this to fake uh, ideas. They, they may come off you know, uh, and uh, make claims that this is coming from them where it's not coming from them. So personal identity and uh, the challenges there, I think, are, are quite relevant, whether uh, 
you know, whether we're getting a truthful response from some of these technologies. Then, of course, how will they be used in terms of the military? Uh, that is an issue. And there are people who say, um, what if we reached a point where uh, artificial intelligence could think like a human and way above it? I mean, I can't be I've never been able to beat my computer at chess. Um, yeah. You know, as hard as I try. Well, what if it what if it became an entity of, of its own? Now, I doubt that. I don't think we're going to face that. But what if it reached a place where it decided I, I no longer need human beings to guide me? I'm going to do it myself. There have been some very educated technological people who have said there is some kind of danger to that. And uh, again, I don't think it will come to that. But I want to be open to the positives and the negatives. And of course, you're speaking there to uh, well, especially in films and books that uh, the, the the films and books that are typically painting sort of a dystopian future, uh, where right. where AI is is part of it, and 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 the uh, the AI, the robot, what have you, is taking over. Yeah, that's right. And it's you know, um, again, I I I try to be very prudent in terms because I, I think there is, you know, I also contributed to a book about transhumanism mm -hmm. with my colleague Fuzrana. And, you know, I was constantly asking him as a scientist, you know, is this science fiction? Is this realistic? Kind of where are we? And it, and it seems that people have differing opinions about what AI can or cannot do. And, uh, of course, the, you know, the ideas of AI taking over, it certainly makes for exciting movies. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, Ken, turning to the Bible, uh, I'm sure some see AI in the image of the beast in the book of Revelation. Could it? I mean, you don't want to get speculative. And, of course, what about that? I mean, could that be a, a malevolent use of, of AI to, to, you know, you think of the deep fakes that uh, sometimes you can't tell in uh, videos increasingly they say this could be a, a, a problem where it could look make it look like this person is saying that but in fact they're not i think that that is a serious issue uh, i i think that our our capacity to create uh images to duplicate to change them uh puts us in a position of how do i know that's real how can i get reality and uh, there are plenty of people who have want to use it in terms of propaganda uh, there are people who use it in terms of conspiracy theories uh, and of course you i think you've touched upon an interesting point in terms of eschatology mm -hmm. in my study of eschatology bill i i think that people often think of their eschatology in terms of the technology of the time I remember talking to my parents who lived through the Second World War, and uh, the, the, they were evangelical, and they said things, look, there's the, you know, this seems to be a war uh, uh, beyond any war we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. You have this figure, Hitler, who seems like an antichrist. Then, of course, uh, people change. It used to be the antichrist is going to come out of Europe. Now he may be a Muslim. Now he may use AI. I, I, I always want to encourage my friends to be careful about speculation. Um, 
I, I guess there's always the sense of where do we fit? Where are we going? Where is the world in God's timetable? I can understand that. But um, I would again come back to the idea that God is sovereign. And uh, God, for whatever purposes, has allowed us to reach this point in technology. I think it, it is incumbent upon Christians to be involved in computer programming, in, in utilizing technology, and to offer uh, ethical perspectives on, on how these kinds of things should be viewed. And so um, I think maybe the, the best safeguard is to have well-trained, thoughtful Christians who are committed to the biblical perspective thinking through these issues. Does AI say or reveal anything about the, the image of God in human beings? I really think that's something Christians should come back to because, again, and I've I've pointed this out. I've asked this question of uh, many people. Reasons to believe is a science faith think tank. We have people in our scholar community who are experts on uh, AI. They they work. That's their day job. They're working in artificial intelligence. Hmm. And I have raised the question. I said, look, you know. Um, this technology has only come about after uh, decades of uh, work uh, appealing to some of the brightest and thoughtful people in these areas. Isn't this more a gift of creation? And that, that again, goes back to the image of God, that we're made in God's image. One of my uh, favorite thinkers of the 20th century, uh, Mortimer Adler, he hmm. said— um, and he was anticipating where this technology would go. He said human beings are exceptional. They think in a way unlike the animals and unlike the machines. Uh, I think the area there is that we are made to think in a finite temporal way the way God thinks. And that that is unique. That is special. Uh, that's what makes us different from uh, the animals and the machine, and that's something we need to celebrate, and we need to make sure that artificial intelligence does not harm uh, people who are made in the image of God. And that, so that would be a major point uh, that that I care deeply about. Well, Ken, uh, certainly um, AI is uh, really not just prevalent around us, but ubiquitous. I mean, you have it in, of course, uh, the Alexa. People have it in their smartwatches, their phones, and all kinds of other things that you've talked about. Any last encouragement of how you would plead with us to uh, think about it, to approach it as, as we move into the future with AI? Yeah, Christians for centuries have believed in what we call the two books theory, that's not the Mormon two books or the Islamic two books. It's it's the book of nature. That is science, technology, the, the world in which we live. The book of nature is like a repository, uh, science, philosophy, all of these kinds of things. Uh, it's not a literal book. It's a figurative book. But then we have the literal book of Scripture, which is God's Word. I think that we need to bring them together. I, I think whatever God allows us to learn about science, about medicine, uh, about technology, we should uh, weigh it very carefully and, and bring God's Word, Scripture, to bear on those ideas. 
I think that's better than dismissing the book of nature. I think it's better than fearing the book of nature. I think realizing that God created the world and he sent his son and he inspired a biblical text. So we want to bring those sources together. Ken, any further reading would you recommend? I mean, there have been a, a quite a bit written uh, on this subject recently. Yes. Uh, there's a couple articles even on the RTB site, reasons.org. Uh, Sean Aish is a uh, AI computer specialist. We've interviewed him on the podcast called Clear Thinking. Um, and there are some really helpful introductory articles and some further books if you want to go further. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Ken Sample, Senior Scholar at Reasons to Believe. Go to reasons.org. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Jared Wilson on how to experience closeness to Jesus who called himself the friend of sinners. Uh, there's no silver bullet, there's no magic formula. It's the tried old and, and, and true techniques uh, of the spiritual disciplines. Uh, and the primary is, is, that, is that divine dialogue of reading your Bible um, and, and, and prayer and, and using um, those things over time, developing those muscles, those impulses over time. Like anything, you develop a habit. That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.